edition of the Varsity Podcast. Justin Barney and Cole Pepper here. Our first Varsity Podcast of 2022 after a couple-week break. Cole, it's been a good one, man. We had a lot of football to discuss and volleyball and everything else, and now we're kind of in the heart of basketball season. Yeah, I, I love it when we make that transition. You know, you go from the state playoffs and state championships games for football and the fall sports, and then by the time you kind of get your feet underneath you, well, we're not too far away from the start of the district playoffs in basketball, so you have to figure out, hey, who's playing well, who's got the stars, and who's got the kind of chemistry to make something work in the high school uh, basketball realm. I think it's a really interesting basketball season, I think, uh, for, on the boys' side in particular right now because you've got – a number of very good players. Not no no one player is you know the 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 dramatic standout, but you've got four or five who you go boy on the, any given night that guy could be the best player in the city. And you know I think it, this year it's a little bit different than what we had in years past. And in, in years past we had Isaiah Adams, we've had Debo Colvin. Last year was Mr. Basketball. Isaiah was Mr. Basketball before that. We've kind of had that blockbuster player. And this year it seems to be a little bit more diverse, a little bit more spread out. Of course, we do have guys that have uh, emerged and stood to the front. I think the biggest name, Josiah Sabino. Uh, niece is Logan Ryan. Uh, another one, um, Mark Flakus at Episcopal. But it's just that it's more of that depth this year. We don't have that one blockbuster guy. We knew Debo was going to score 30 a game at yeah. West Nassau. Um, and I like it a little bit more this year. It's kind of a little bit, a little bit of a grab bag of Who's going to be that guy? I love the horse race, too, because when you think about these guys, and most of the guys you named are seniors. Um, I think all of them, in fact, you named there. Jay Jones is another one to think about at Fletcher. Some of these guys who, on uh, you know, if, if they can string together three or four weeks of their best basketball, they could wind up being the all-news for Jacks player of the year. They could all wind up being a, a, you know all-state or an all-regional kind of player. Uh, but I agree with you. I don't think we have a Mr. Basketball this year Not in our really. area. But... Uh, that actually, to me, now you shift from talking about great players and shift to great teams, and I think you have a great balance of teams as well this year, and we've seen a number of those teams uh, have some great runs. Nobody's you know, perfect, uh, and nobody's infallible this year, so... Again, on any given night, you could see a, a big upset in, in high school basketball. In and, I, and I like it. You know, beginning of basketball season, I think, is really uh, overshadowed by football. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of getting guys off the football uh, gridiron and, and kind of segueing into basketball. Those seasons are over. And those first few weeks of basketball, really up through the, I think, the, the de facto tip-off time for basketball season. I know we have high school media day, and I know the, the season tips off in football season. But I think really that that time of the high school basketball season where it really feels like basketball season under those holiday tournaments that last week of December um, and then rolls into the first week of the new year. And that really feels like where teams are hitting their strides. You're playing those holiday tournaments where you're not playing a lot of local teams. You're playing on the road, playing out of the area and, and getting into those games with that live fire that you need to prepare yourself for that, uh, that grind of the postseason. And particularly when you wind up playing two games in consecutive nights or three games in three nights and, that's, I think, when you learn an awful lot about your team. And I've talked to some coaches, and one of the things that they love about those tournaments is that you do have to, you have to, you have to scout fast, you have to teach fast, and the players have to learn fast. And that uh, is going to come up when you start getting into the playoffs as well. So it's a great proving ground for teams that are make a deep run in the state playoffs. Yeah, it's, um, I, I like that. And, you know, the teams I think we thought would be the teams at this point are – the teams. I mean, Fleming Island, 16-1. and one. We'll touch, uh, touch on them in a minute again. Uh, Jackson, again, James Collins has done mm-hmm. um, miracles with that program and getting it consistently back to Lakeland 
for state semifinals and championship games. Uh, nice has had a nice year. Pontevedra's had a nice year. Orange Park with Josiah Sabino has had a, an exceptional year at 14-2 right now. Um, and you're seeing the teams like San Jose Prep, a newcomer there. North Florida Educational, not that old of a program. So you've got the old, the, the, the tried and true, the Blue Bloods in a sense, Jackson, uh, those kind of guys. And mixed in with those new teams who are not really um, established yet or haven't been those perennial powers. And you talk about trying to build a program in football you might need 15 or 20 guys who can really play to help build a new program in basketball it might just be one or two I mean you can you can get things rolling if you have a couple of, of good players and other guys who know their roles because you just have so many you know so few guys on the court at any one time so it's one thing to, to develop a new team it's another to develop a new program where you can start sustaining that over the course of years. Yeah, and uh, one of the guys we actually met with this week, uh, he's the biggest recruit in our area this year in the class of 2022, Josiah Sabino. I know you've seen him. I've seen him play. He's been doing it since uh, sophomore year, passed 1,000 points in scoring this year, averaging 22-1 a game this season for the Raiders. And, again, Orange Park, not a not a traditional power in the, in the sense where you think of like a Jackson or a Providence or uh, even a Nice. Um, and we talked with Josiah this week out of practice, and you know he said it's the biggest, probably the biggest moment in his career. You know, a guy maybe linked back to a shot that he hit or a game that he played, but he said really the time that he remembers the most is, is kind of a pinpoint in his career, a launching point, was he got cut from his JV team or his junior high team when he was in seventh grade, went home, cried to his mom, said he had to get better. Um, you know, likens to Michael Jackson getting cut or Michael Jordan getting cut from his high school team story. I mean, you really can use that that moment as a motivating factor or, you know, to kind of turn around and do something else. And uh, we talked to Josiah and his coach, Derek Kronitsky, and uh, here's what they had to say about that. I tell people, we don't know what we have. He's only 17. He's going to graduate high school at 17 years old. He's only but he got cut as a junior high kid, you know, so. I tell people, we don't know what we have. I mean, he when he gets in a meal program and a weight program and they get him in their, all the resources they have, I mean, he, he he's a player now, and he's just going to keep getting better. He, he is not – see, when he's 20 years old and he's a grown man, people better watch out. <laughs> it, it definitely changed my perception on basketball, definitely. I had to see what I had to work on. I definitely grew, which helped me a lot, but honestly, working at, waking up every morning, going to the gym really helped me a lot. Working on my game, 7 in the morning with Coach K, to becoming a different player over the summers. I was a whole different person, had a whole different mindset, a whole different attitude. It just made me work harder. So Josiah Sabino, what do you think about him? You've seen him play, best player in the area, and oh, by the way, he's staying home at JU. Yeah, I, which is great. We've got two great local players who are going to stay home. Uh, Mark Flake is going to play at UNF. So you get you get both of those who could kind of be rivals. They play uh, both play on the wing, so you could see them matching up against one another down the line in the River City Rumble. Uh, to your point about uh, Michael Jackson getting cut from his high school team, never happened. His footwork was too good. You too couldn't good. cut him. But um, the Michael Jordan thing popped right to mind when I first yeah. heard about that, that, that Sabino had been cut as a seventh grader. And the fact that he uses that as motivation really tells you everything you need to know about his makeup as a player. And if I'm a coach, if I'm, uh, you know, uh, Jordan Mincy thinking about this guy coming in next year, uh, he'll be young, as, uh, as uh, Derek Kuznitsky told us about, you know, his, from an age standpoint, he'll be a young freshman. But the fact that, that he draws on that, uh, you know, very painful moment in his athletic past as a motivator. Talk about, you know, when you can find a guy who keeps a chip on his shoulder, that can make a big difference. Uh, 
Jaguars fans will remember Maurice Jones-Drew wearing number 32 because every team passed him over in the first round, and he played with a chip on his shoulder his whole career. Sabino could be the same kind of guy. Yeah, and, and the fact that he is staying home, and I've been around this area, you've been around this area quite some time, you don't see, and I think UNF has done a better job of it, but JU has really kind of stayed away from local guys, from bringing in those local guys for whatever reason. And, and I don't know if it's been a sales pitch or, or guys locally had better options, but you can't tell me that local kids and their families don't want to stay here and play basketball. And I think Jordan Mincy coming in, being a young guy, having that experience at Florida, really appealed to a Josiah and said, hey, we've got great guys here in town, why are we letting them go away? Yeah. And I think being able to land a Josiah Sabino, uh, the three-star kid at Orange Park, the highest recruit in the area this year, is big for Jordan Mincy and, you know, big for local kids too and their families. Yeah, I have to think back the last time JU uh, got a, a three-star level local player, um, it may have been a, a, on a transfer from Calvin Warner. It may have been the last yeah. time they had somebody that level. There may have been somebody else who's popped in there since then. But that's you know you're talking 15 years yeah. ago. Sandalwood. So uh, yeah, and a guy I think he went to Western Michigan, Central Michigan, something like that before he, he transferred back and, and was a very good player for GAU. But uh, the fact that you have you know a guy who is staying home that was important to him. Uh, it, it can make for a great story. You certainly hope to to see him. You know, do something significant. I think back to some uh, former players who, who are local who have made a big impact on the on the local basketball scene. You talk about D. Brown, uh, Micah Ross, maybe more so for what he did going on to play uh, football and play in the NFL. Uh, you know, some of these guys who who were local guys who continue to make a difference. You know, Toby Frazier played at JU. John Knox. John Knox was a great one player. of the great shooters I've ever seen with my own eyes. Uh, but guys who continue to you know who are local guys who continue to play locally. And as a guy who, uh, you know, went to the University of Kansas where basketball is king, I would love to get to a point where that JU-UNF game is, uh, you know, must-see TV, so to speak. Uh, one, one program has been up. The other has been down. There haven't been a lot of years where both have been contending for the A-Sun. He'd love to see that in the future. And, J- and JU, a great start this year yeah. under Jordan Mincy. And I, I know the schedule hasn't been as rugged as UNF's. But nonetheless, I mean, you got to transfer this offseason. Uh, Bishop Snyder kid came back to Jacksonville, played for Jordan Mincy. Uh, Josiah Sabino's coming here. And Jordan, even at his introductory press conference, said there's no reason we should be getting beat in our own city for guys who want to stay home and play. And he wants to restore that brand. And the artist Gilmore's not from here, but people identify him so much with the JU brand. You know, but why not uh, Josiah Sabino kind of kid who played here, grew up here, went to games at JU as a kid? You know, why not Mark Flakus at uh, Episcopal coming to UNF and staying home and uh, and doing names? I know Bo Beach was a local kid who yeah. did great Jacob at Cruz. UNF. Yeah, Cruz. I mean, there's been so many guys at uh, in this area who would probably love to stay here and play for their hometown college. Well, UNF's done a great job of making basketball important, not only internally, but also externally. I mean, that's their calling card, one of their calling cards. You talk about their athletic department. And, uh, you know, you've had some continuity with the coach. They had some success. Obviously, it's been a few years, but they were in the NCAA tournament. Um, and, you know, and Matthew Driscoll's done a great job of, of maintaining some of that momentum despite not getting back to the big dance. I have always said, um, and Justin, you know that I had an association with the JU basketball program for 20 years, either doing public address announcing or radio announcing back in the day that if JU would get to the NCAA tournament, even if it was one of those first four games, if they get to that and they, and then start the next season hot, we would, it would really be interesting to see what would happen the January following that previous oh, yes. March, what this city would do. 
Um, and if and again, if both JU and UNF were both contending for the A Sun, and and boy, wouldn't you love to see a conference championship game like that? But you know that can feed back into the basketball environment here in Jacksonville, and we've seen great high school football players, great high school baseball players through here. The culture, the basketball culture, isn't quite as pervasive in Jacksonville. It is in pockets. In it town. used to be. It used to be more than it is now. I think it has been too, and I and I wonder if that's because football has become such a, a juggernaut with the NFL here now and so forth, or if I, I don't know all the all the factors. I'd love to talk to some um, some some coaches about about why that that is the case, where the the basketball culture isn't necessarily as pervasive as it was twenty twenty five years ago. But uh, maybe this is a turning point to see guys like. Uh, Josiah and and Flakus and some of these others sticking around and, and playing their uh, wanting to play their college basketball in yeah, town. And just think of if we go back a few years when UNF made the tournament and the excitement yep. in town on that conference championship Sunday when they won that uh, conference championship and punched that berth and then the selection show at UNF and just the, that excitement. You know, it's been a long time since JU went to the tournament. UNF getting there, we got a little taste of that. March Madness kind of feel, and if man, if JU was able to kind of replicate that and, and get a little bit of that nostalgia back under Jordan Mincy, he's made a, a big time inroads with alumni and mm-hmm. reaching back to that base and, and trying. D to, Brown's involved. D now Brown again. is mm-hmm. involved, and um, so I think he is the right guy for that. And man, if we could get that UNF JU rivalry going back strong and with those local kids involved too, that just would be fantastic. For the high school guys in town too to watch that, it just exactly. I, I think basketball has kind of been um, overshadowed with the, the Jaguars and every other thing, all the peripheral stuff going on in the town. But man, basketball in the '90s, even in the early 2000s, was fantastic here in town. Yeah, and I love the fact that it, it feeds on itself. You know, it, it it not feeds on itself; it feeds itself. If you have uh, somebody, uh, you know, who is nine or ten years old. Right now, if you were to go find some middle school kids who were just being exposed to basketball, their biggest exposure is probably via the NBA, mm-hmm. quite honestly, or watching on TV or playing a video game. Um, uh, and so you don't have as much of that where you have people going out. And I, I, there is a very interesting uh, trend to follow here. As we come out of the pandemic and you have more opportunities to go to games, there's still some limitations for Duval County Schools and others for attendance at games. Once we get back to full attendance opportunities, it's going to be interesting to me to see how schools and fan bases adapt and and, uh, and perform in that in that regard. Will we still see uh, some limitations? Will people decide, well, I can still enjoy it from a distance? You have a lot more schools also now streaming games online, whether it's a radio style broadcast online or or a, you know one camera video, mm-hmm. whatever it is. It's, uh, you know, high schools are also having the same kind of challenges that colleges are having, that NFL teams are having, and that is if you can have a similar or uh, comparable experience at home without having to deal with traffic and concession prices and parking and mm-hmm. whatever else, uh, that's going to be something to follow from a sort of a fan engagement standpoint down the line. Yeah, NFHS Network does a great job of streaming those games, and we're up in Pierce County yesterday, and they put everything of theirs on NFHS Network, and um, you know, it's, it helps in, especially in, in smaller towns like that, engage people outside of the community. Um, it, it's opened it up, but I think it's also shrunk that audience too, as far as going out to games and having that experience. And you've touched on the NFL and uh, the college game and stuff, struggling with a little bit of that. So um, I do think the 
um, from a high school perspective, you don't have those great crowds and stuff like you used to. It's just not. Unless you're going to a Jackson Rebolt kind of basketball mm-hmm. game, a Range Rebolt kind of clash, you just don't have those great anticipated crowds. And there's there, there's nothing like being in a crowded, hot, sweaty high school gym where you have bodies all the way up to the rafters for a big game. The, the energy, you get the pep band going, you get the guys diving on the floor. That kind of energy, it's not fifteen or 18,000 people in an arena. It might only be 1,100. Mm-hmm. But if it's 1,100 in a 950-seat <laughs> uh, a gym, boy, the energy is amazing. It's and it can really amazing. draw you in. It is truly amazing. When I look back at, at some of those best games, I mean, they're gateway conference games or – there are a Wolfson Nice circa mm-hmm. Chet Stachitis, Will Holloman days. Um, I, I remember seeing James Collins as a kid. We were close in age, so I remember seeing him play in high school. And just that environment back then, um, I think the sports now are far more diluted, just with more schools, uh, more classifications and stuff. But just when, when you get that back-and-forth basketball game, I know football in Florida is one thing, but when you get that high-stakes basketball game in a tight gym, packed the ac is uh working overdrive it may be out there's just <laughs> nothing like that i've never been to an indiana high school basketball game during the heyday um but i imagine probably similar to what it was during those maybe jackson rebald or jackson reigns kind of clash back when the derwin kitchens or james collins were there yeah i've been to some uh high school basketball games in kansas where i grew up small towns where they had a you know one quote-unquote big star who was being maybe uh offered you know to be a a, a walk-on at wichita state or something mm-hmm. so not but for that town that guy was a big Huge deal star and I, I remember being covering some of those games in my early days of of uh you know writing for the kansas city star and being in uh these gyms that were basically the auditorium in a small high school there's something it's very quaint about it but when you look around and you see the faces of the parents and it just folks who live in, in town, mm-hmm. you know, here's what's going to happen. They're going to go to that game, then they're going to the Dairy Queen afterwards, or they're going to talk about that game, then the next morning at the diner, they're going to talk about that game, they're going to talk about that kid, and if he winds up going to play at, you know, Arkansas Little Rock, his picture is going to be, you know, uh, next to the to the counter at the, drug, the corner drugstore there in town, and it, it is, it's, there's still a lot of romanticism for that when you talk yep. about how folks look at uh, high school sports, particularly when you talk about, I mean, we have a lot of these communities who, who so, you know, support their schools so well in the area. A lot of, you know, West Nassau and, or in, in Nassau County. But you've got to go into go that Georgia. smaller community. To yeah, find you don't have, it's not the same that. kind of thing. Now, I will also say there are some schools that really support their, their programs very well internally. I mean, you mentioned Fleming Island earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a lot of support there. Um, uh, you've got, uh, you know, a lot of the private schools have a lot of support as well. But it, it, it's different when you're in it's, a metropolitan area than absolutely. rather being out uh, somewhere where that's the thing to do on a Thursday night if we're going to a high school basketball game. Yeah, that's, and, you know, you mentioned the private schools in the area. I was at Mudville Grill today, and there's Bishop Kenny memorabilia on oh, the yeah. wall everywhere. Episcopal supports their programs really well. Bowles does the same thing. Yeah, Providence um, so obviously has had Providence, great success. I mean, yeah. those, the private schools do, but you lose that, that feel. Um, you, know, you mentioned I was in Pierce County yesterday working on a story and it, you I went into a restaurant and there's high school stuff all over the walls there supporting Pierce County High School you get that if you're in Charlton County up in Georgia yep. and you get that in West Nassau and Yulee and the little Columbia is a good another good one in this area so you get that in those small communities where high school sports are everything we don't have that in Duval County uh, St. John's the counties are just too big at that point and it's kind of spread out but man 
it is just something to go watch one of those small town games. Even last year during West Nassau's run to the state semifinals, going and watching those playoff games, Paxson game. Um, I mean, just an unbelievable experience when small town athletics get behind something. You feel it in football. Mm-hmm. You feel it especially in basketball when that gym is just so packed together. A couple of years ago, I was at a game at, at Hilliard between uh, Hilliard and West Nassau. Debo, I think, was I think he was a sophomore or a junior. I think it was a junior. And Jacob Cruz was a was a senior. And so those are two of the top players in the area going at it. And that place was jam-packed. I mean, there was a either a JV or, or a girls game beforehand, I can't recall. But, but th- we got there 10 minutes before tip-off, and the, the, the gym was already three-quarters full. And by the time, you know, halftime got there, you, you, you've got folks kind of nudging the fire marshal, say, hey, don't worry about this one, <laughs> you know. So uh, th- those atmospheres – may not be as common to find, but boy, it's great when you find them. Yeah, and um, as we, we keep on the basketball thing, one of our Super 6 teams, Fleming Island, Fortegra 9-12 winner earlier this season, 16-1, I mentioned them earlier in the podcast, but um, if, you, if you notice them next week in our Super 6 rankings, the record changing or anything like that, um, the FHA is, is mulling over some punishment for an ineligible player, not made publicly official yet, but it is on the horizon. So uh, to our readers and uh, listeners and on the, the Super 6, if you see a change in those basketball records, an abrupt change from 16 to 1 to maybe an 8, uh, an 8-win season, that is the reason for we'll bring more of that to you um, next week. The Gateway Conference Girls Championship game on Friday night, Jackson and Sandalwood meeting that one, so that should be a good game. Tigers knocked off one of our Super 6 teams to get there. And, uh, you know, the other big news this week, you know, coaching changes happen a lot of time, Cole, in, in high school sports in this area. Coaches don't make much of anything. We've covered that ground quite a bit. But a big one this week, Robin Menry, Ponte oh volleyball coach, 13 years, three state championships, nearly 300 wins, and she calls it a career this week. So wrapping up a good one. Uh, you don't see that kind of success in uh, in a sport like a volleyball around here. No, I mean just a. Um, I, I don't know if you can call that dominant, but if you can call it, do- uh, you know, high school three championships in thirteen years, that's as close to dominant as you're going to get in high school volleyball. It's so difficult to to keep that. You think about this. It's one thing again in football when you talk about a Trinity or a Bulls or a program like this that that has uh, a system in place to build up, and and you have, um, you know, you have a lot of players, but you have a lot of players you can develop. A public school and a sport like volleyball, where if if you have one or two players that doesn't you know that don't live up to their capabilities, and on any given night during the playoffs somebody else can knock you off, it is so tough to win a championship. So uh, hats off to Robin Minery, great volleyball player in her own right, back in her uh, college days, and she has been a fantastic uh, not only coach but also uh, ambassador for high school volleyball. Yeah, I've I've covered volleyball here since uh, the the late uh, 99 I think my first season and. Just back then, it was so limited, the success that teams had. It was private school-owned, Central and South Florida, Cardinal Gibbons, Bishop Moore. Those mm-hmm. teams ran the state. Uh, public school, just not that success. So to see a team like a Ponte Vedra, um, yeah, I know it's in St. John's County, and, and it's a little bit uh, isolated over there. But to see a public school team from this area um, play for five state championships, win three of those, uh, nearly 300 wins. Her worst season at Ponte Vedra in 13 years was 16 and 12, uh, and that is a pretty darn good accomplishment to have that success. Ponte Vedra, the only team outside of Bishop Kinney, a private school, uh, to have multiple state championships in volleyball, and we're talking volleyball going back to the 70s. So that type of success 
um, you know, I think warranted uh, a little bit of mention um, as a big loss for our volleyball community. Robin, when I uh, texted her the other night, she said she doesn't know what she's going to do. She's grateful for the time she had there, got to coach her two daughters, uh, and she's hanging it up this year after coaching her uh, her middle daughter and or middle child, um, Logan Minnery or Kendall Minnery, and uh, wrapping that up. What a career there. You get to coach two of your daughters to state championships. Now you got a seven-year-old son that you want to retire and spend time with, and you can't blame her. That's great. And uh, well-deserved retirement well for deserved. Robin Minner. Well-deserved. So that's going to wrap us up for a 2022 introductory edition of the Varsity Podcast. Justin, Barney, Cole Pepper. We will talk to you.